Personal finance is exactly that. It's personal and unique to your situation. So the last thing we all need is a traditional money expert insisting we all follow the same old school, rigid rules that just don't work for us. Whether you're just starting to manage your money, regardless of your age, or you want to hear another perspective on a money topic you already feel good about, this Latina covers it all. Welcome to the Check Your Money podcast, where on this season, I encourage you to be limitless. Hi, and welcome back to Check Your Money with your host, Norma Vargas. When we talk about financial literacy, people have their own way of seeking information. Some will reach out to a professional, such as an AFC, which is an accredited financial counselor, such as myself, a CFP, which is a certified financial planner, a financial advisor, or another licensed professional. Some will reach out to someone that they see post a lot on social media, and so they seem knowledgeable about the topic. Some will ask a family member or a trusted friend, and then others will use their favorite search engine and end up on which website, you know, who knows. Out of those options, the first is pretty much the only way that you can ensure you're getting the right advice. This person will likely keep your goals in mind, short and long-term, and potential implications, especially those related to tax. Personal finance is personal after all. Besides the methods I just went over, how else can you get your info? Well, there's reading. I've always been an avid reader. When earning my degree, I found it tough not to keep up with my personal reading because I had so much academic reading to do. In between courses, I try to rest my eyes. I'm finally at a point where I could pick up a book and not have an actual deadline, except of course I ended up deciding to start a book club and so there's some deadlines there, but that's fun. The personal finance community has a few books that are their go-to books for foundational learning. The one I've always heard people suggest is The Simple Path to Wealth. If you follow the personal finance community on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, I'm sure you've seen someone recommend this book a time or two. Earlier this year, I decided to check it out. I certainly don't want to recommend something I haven't read myself. So for those who hate to read, I thought today I'd share my insights on the book. And after listening, you might want to pick it up or decide it's not for you. I'm going to literally start at the beginning. Page three made me both happy and mad at the same time. He covers some money guidelines, including having FU money, which I love. Then he says, and I quote, try saving 50% of your income. With no debt, this is perfectly doable. Yeah, I don't know where he lives and how much rent, mortgage, cost of living, or how his money circle, like how his circle makes their money. But I found this to be an insane suggestion so much so that I almost stopped reading. He talks about the pursuit of financial independence not being about retirement, but about freedom. I recently learned a new term for the goal of FIRE, which is financial independence, retire early, and that is work optional. I think that's definitely how I'd put it. I'm a big proponent for saving, saving for retirement, for a special goal, for emergencies and for FU, but not necessarily for not working at all. So work optional, I, I kind of like that. When he talks about debt, he digs into and nails, in my opinion, the stress of debt. Basically, the more you have, you start to feel the walls caving in and turn to self-destructive patterns. Here's some advice he gives that I loved. 
base your repayment priority on interest rates. If it's less than 3%, pay it off slowly and invest. If it's between three to five, do whatever you want, pay or invest. If it's higher than 5%, pay it off ASAP. When you're paying it off, go by what is costing you the most instead of the mental reward of paying the small stuff first. Returns. He uses an 11.9% annual return as his average percentage of growth. This is a guide, and he's very careful to say that, you know, to use a reasonable number. This number is always going to depend on the market and the current state of events. But it also depends on what you have your money in. I recently reviewed a brokerage statement for someone who was only getting 2.5% returns, and they're in retirement. They did the right thing and had this retirement account, but didn't realize, and had a financial advisor, by the way, that they were hardly earning any money in it and had RMDs, which are required minimum distributions, that exceeded their growth annually, like by more than half. There's no safe number he could have used here, but your percentage of growth will likely be tied to your risk tolerance. So what I mean is the more risk averse you are, which means you shy away from risk, the lower your returns and vice versa. These returns will create what is called compounding. Basically, even without you putting in more money, the money you have in there multiplies to some effect. Like when I said I stopped putting money in my Roth IRA for years and it had grown, I started adding money in there again over the last two years, but without me touching it, it had more than doubled. That's compounding. I have the dividends reinvested, so the money that it earns buys more shares without me having to do anything. When you retire or get to the age where you start taking money out of your retirement account, the idea is that you withdraw less than what is being earned, so not more like in the example I just gave you. They suggest 4%. And if you're earning 11.9 or whatever, then your money that is left is still growing. Now, if you're earning less than what you're withdrawing, then you're slowly chipping away at your account. You might be okay with that. And again, that's up to you. But if that's not what your intention is, if you want your money to grow, then you really need to look at what you have your money invested in. All right, so time for the simple stuff. And by simple, I mean, he really makes it simple. He is all about Vanguard and all about the VTSAX fund. VTSAX is a total stock market index mutual fund. You basically own shares in a diverse group of companies. You're instantly diversified. In regards to the market up and downs, he's very clear about, mar about market ups, which is, the, which is a bull market, and downs, which is a bear market. And that at some point over a 60-year period, your wealth will be cut in half at least once. I remember in 2008 when it crashed and I and there was a coworker that was freaking out, but in my mind, I had plenty of time until I needed the money, so I didn't really get stressed about it. But I definitely felt bad for her. I know someone else who actually planned to retire last March, March of 2020. He's still working. You have to ride 
the market and have the stamina to ride the market and withstand these ups and downs, especially if you've got some time away from retirement. If you don't, it might not be for you. But if you do and you can write it out, it has the ability to be a great wealth building tool. When the market is collapsing, it's basically human nature to get scared and want to pull out. You see your account dropping. But according to page 62, bullet point six, this is why you have to toughen up, learn to ignore the noise and ride out the storm, adding still more money to your investments as you go. Sound advice if you ask me. Why sell, why sell stuff when it's on sale? I get it. It's a fear-based decision. And if you need that money sometime soon, then it's a sound financial decision for you. He talks about target date funds, which I found really interesting. Uh, you'll find these in retirement accounts and even 529 accounts for kids college fund. And these funds are more aggressive the further you are to retirement. Something I found very interesting was that he discussed not necessarily putting the money in the date that you plan on retiring. So if you're in a target date fund of 2040, you may be a little less aggressive than if you're in one that's for 2060, to retire in 2060. If you want to be aggressive, you can put it in a date that's actually a longer term. For a less aggressive portfolio, you can choose one that is closer. So you don't have to use the date that you actually think about retiring. You can you could play with these dates to basically match your risk tolerance, which is a pretty cool idea. Fees. If you have fees that are 1% to 2% in your portfolio, assuming it's 1%, but you're taking out 4 then you're losing 25% of your income to management fees. That was another aha moment for me. So look at your fees. But like when I did the Check My Roth episode, you'll notice that the fund that had the highest fees in my portfolio also had the highest returns. So there's that. So what was all the hype? Well, he does keep it simple. He suggests the VTSAX for your stock fund and for your core building tool. He suggests VBTLX, which is the same, but it's bonds. So somewhat less volatile and it provides income. Lastly, cash, but not much cash. He likes the VMMXX, which is the Vanguard Prime Market Fund but only when interest rates are higher than his regular savings. So my final thoughts on this book. Yes, it provides the information it says it will. Keeps it simple. Just buy this one mutual fund and buy this one bond fund and some cash. I guess if at the very least, if you do just that, you'll be on a good, simple path to wealth. He definitely had some great concepts, but I'll be stuck on that whole say 50% forever. I don't like that suggestion. It seems preachy, judgy, and kind of privilegy. But overall, I learned some stuff and thought of things in a way I hadn't before. Lastly, things to keep in mind when you're reading this or any personal finance book. Take the basic concepts, then research the current rules. For example, when this book was writ written, the minimum in to be able to invest in that VTSAX was $10,000. Now it's three. 
There are also some tax references or the RMDs that don't necessarily apply today. So I say today because when you listen to this episode, it may have changed even from when I recorded the episode. So there you have it. I hope you enjoy this review. You can grab this book at many booksellers, including Amazon. Again, not so much including the Audible version. Uh, I wouldn't do it if I were you, but that's me. Check your knowledge. So I heard about this app on the news and it looks super interesting. So I, I downloaded it. It's called Wallet Hub. I started to sign up and then I quickly stopped. It looked like it was going to be loaded with a lot of finance information, stuff you can search and all that. It does have that, but it also has the ability to get your credit score, report, it's updated daily, it's completely free, and it offers options to improve your credit score as well as personalized ways of saving money on credit cards and loans. I was hoping to tap into the ways of saving money on credit cards and loans and some generalized personal finance information but not sure if you caught the word personalized. To even access the app, you have to put all your personal information, including the last four of your social. Obviously that's needed for the credit report stuff, but I was a little disappointed that it wouldn't provide general resource information. I'm not forgiving apps my social. I'm a bit paranoid about that stuff, so I chose to exit. But If you're looking for an alternative way of accessing your credit report to Credit Karma or something like that, it looks like this could be really helpful and it's free. So again, that is Wallet Hub. I can't vouch for it, but looked interesting. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate your support and welcome your feedback. You can do that by rating, liking, and sharing. I also invite you to check out my website, checkyourmoney.today. You'll find links to my YouTube channel, upcoming blog, and so much more. Don't forget to check your money and be limitless. The information provided in the Check Your Money podcast, associated social media accounts, and website is intended solely for the personal non-commercial use of the user who accepts full responsibility of its use. While we have taken every precaution to ensure that the content of the aforementioned is both current and accurate, errors can occur. We accept no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content. The information provided by Check Your Money and its affiliated entities is general in nature, provided for educational purposes only, and should not be considered to be legal, tax, accounting, or investing advice. In all cases, you should consult with professional advisors familiar with your personal factual situation for advice concerning specific matters before making any decisions.